I'm curious, would you call yourself successful? And how do you gauge whether that's true? Who gets to say it's true? What does success even mean to you? Maybe there's something that feels true about it in theory, but deep inside you, there's a niggling sense that your skills, your hard work, your dedication to your craft or your cause is lacking some fire, or there's a grasping, clutching feeling that drives you rather than an aliveness or true calling. Now, as a bona fide recovering overachiever with a powerful drive to make a difference in the world, I've had to face some uncomfortable truths over the years when I've checked in and asked myself, exactly whose path am I following here? And the thing is, the body doesn't lie. When you sell your soul and your creative spirit at the cost of your true desires, your capacity and your needs, your body will make it known. And frustratingly, others won't be magnetized to your expression because it's not the full integrated you the world is seeing and feeling. It's a version of you that I suspect you've outgrown. Today, I'm sharing with you nine embodied gateways to the kind of magnetic leadership that you are so ready for, my love. So sit back and soak it up. Welcome to the Sensualchemy School podcast where we explore grief, pleasure, and the sometimes messy, always beautiful paradox that exists between the two. Here, as we center the experience of our wise bodies through the archetypal feminine, we ask, within a culture that perceives emotional, intuitive, and creative intelligence as inferior and avoids pain at all costs, what if grief were our compass and pleasure our medicine? My name is Kate Leeper, and I'm so grateful you're here. Welcome back, friends. I've got an episode for you today that might stretch you a little bit. But if you've started this year desiring for your life, your work, and your relationships to feel more aligned and alive, then stay with me. Now, the heart of today's inquiry is really around who or what has set the bar the expectations or the model of success that you've either willingly or even accidentally subscribed to around what it means to achieve in your life and to be good at what you do and to, yeah, to have success. And this inquiry is relevant not just to your work or career or your creative leadership, but also your mothering success, your relationship success, your social success, all kinds of success. And the point of digging into this as women who desire to live from a place of embodied wisdom that celebrates and is sourced by our pleasure and that fully welcomes the messy, complicated nature of pain and loss is that our capacity to really meet the creative pulse of aliveness in our bodies is completely intertwined with how we've been wired to define success over our own felt experience of it. And why unlearning and relearning how to relate to our own success is important is because we can't show up as leaders of our craft with any kind of enduring depth and resonance if we're trying to climb some kind of ladder to the top that's just been made up by a bunch of rich white men 
right? Now, I've been reflecting on some of the insidious messages around success that I've been fed, particularly as a little girl. And I wonder if you've ever had similar experiences. Now, I've always been super curious. And so I was the kind of kid that would ask questions relentlessly at home and at school. Like, I have no doubt I was probably really annoying. (laughs) But here's the thing. One day at school, when I was about 10, I got in trouble for trying to unpack this idea about something we were being taught in a social studies lesson. And I don't particularly remember what it was, but I know that it felt to me like something, yeah, it just didn't quite land right. I wanted more information. And I was probably chatting to my friend next to me and I kept asking my teacher questions that I guess she found to be precocious. Like she took it as a challenge to her authority, as opposed to my curiosity being part of learning and understanding. So she called me back once the lunch bell went and everyone else left the classroom. And I remember this teacher saying things like, Kate, you're a clever girl, but you demand too much attention. And Kate, you have so much potential, but you can't be successful unless you respect what I'm teaching you. And I've just been reflecting on instances like this in my early years. You know, I have three young daughters, right, under nine. And so I'm kind of seeing some of this mirrored in them as well. And so look, firstly, I guess, Look, I'm sure I was a pain in the ass sometimes, right? I mean, I'm not under any illusion that I was always some golden child. But in saying that, the fact that these memories still stay with me, memories of being told that my success in the world depended on my ability to sit quietly like a good girl and keep my questions to myself and simply follow suit means that those formative foundational ideas of what I needed to do to achieve remain very clear in my psyche. And it's no surprise that my kids are now in Montessori education. (laughs) And it blows my mind how differently this approach is in fostering the quality of curiosity in really genuine ways compared to what I experienced. And I imagine is still really uncomfortable for many teachers in mainstream education to manage. This relentless natural curiosity of kids that can feel so exhausting to us as humans, shaped by a culture that demands conformity, especially when we personally never had this part of us sincerely acknowledged and embraced. You know, it's not our fault. I was a teacher as well for many, many years, but in high school. And I really struggled with that as well. And now I kind of look back and and understand, well, shit, that was really my programming. I was taught that I had to accept what was being taught and that there was only really you know, a certain amount of questions that were allowed before I was then annoying and precocious. And so as a teacher, I guess I I reflected that back and I would, yeah, even though I think my values, I wanted to believe that curiosity was beautiful and I wanted to embrace it. I was really, it frustrated me. I was like, no, quiet now, <laughs> you know, just sit there and listen, please. So anyway, I get it. I really do. And so today I want to offer you some 
alternative gateways into being curious about yourself now that you're grown up, you know, and your leadership and your own version of success. But before I do, I wanted to highlight the main premise, really, of patriarchal leadership as we know it, which is basically to gain expertise and work hard. That's the formula, right? How such a simple sentiment can actually be so harmful to generations. It's incredible. Gain expertise and work hard. It's like, well, yeah, okay, great. And there's so much missing. So the way I personally internalized this message of gaining expertise and working hard looked like steering away from the creative expressive paths that really lit me up in theater and in my writing and choosing the more sensible, reliable path of teaching high school, like I said. And it looked like channeling my unhappiness working in a system that for me personally felt restrictive and generally just not the right fit for who I am by pursuing more and more academia to try and boost my sense of self-importance and self-value and find a job in a clinical profession as a psychotherapist that made me look and sound clever. Even when I felt Like there was just so much missing. There was an incongruence when I was working in more of those clinical settings, an incongruence in myself. I was really compartmentalizing who I was and it just didn't feel good over time. And look, a caveat is absolutely required here because brilliant school teachers are a gift. I really want to, to put that out there. I take my hat off to those who can work within the current systems and structures to support our kids. I gave so much of myself to my teaching work and yet found so much of the time as though I was banging my head against a brick wall. And similarly, I love counsellors and psychotherapists who choose to work in ways that honour and celebrate the whole person. The professionals who are deep in integrity with their own selves, their bodies, their grief, their trauma, and they understand the essential role of the fullness of their body, the entire system, the mind, the soul, the body in their work. You know, they're they're able to see beyond the the diagnoses and um you know these kind of set ways of of looking at the world and at looking at brains and uh i i know plenty of them and i'm i'm so proud to to work alongside them and i also you know seek the support of many counselors and psychotherapists as well but they're just unfortunately um there is such a lacking in the general training when it comes to the whole person. So for me personally, as I worked with perinatal women who were depleted and struggling to reconcile their new mothering identity, particularly, I came to see that actually there was nothing broken about these women at all. They were simply trying to survive in a broken system that did not serve them just as I was, funnily enough, just as my mother was. 
And I began to recognise this part of me that could no longer ignore the ways we're imprisoned by cultural norms and the politics dictating women's bodies and the roles we're, continued, we're conditioned sorry, to play. It became clear that the career path I was on felt so limited in light of the vision I held for women, myself included. So that led me to getting really honest with what I was here to do, where I needed to heal and come into a more healthy relationship to my own womanhood, in my intimate relationships and in so many areas of my own life. And to really inquire, was working my ass off and aspiring for more qualifications and letters behind my name actually serving my truest desires as a unique human, not to mention whether it was really serving the women I so deeply wanted to support. And it occurred to me on a larger scale that the more we pour energy into making ourselves smarter, better, and more to meet the social success narrative, we actually move further away from joy. And I couldn't be an accomplice to this message in my role, supposedly helping women in a very vulnerable stage of their life. And, you know, we're taught that we're only worthy of pleasure and rest once we've worked ourselves to the bone and submitted to exhaustion. Yet this kind of dedication to a system that wants us to be more robot than human is literally numbing us out and killing us from the inside. So, look, the next part in my story spans the last six years, really. I took what felt really right, but also a major leap and followed this instinct that I had things to offer that didn't fit, quote unquote, the cultural script, but instead it kind of actively subverted it. And over time, I began to trust in this feeling as I completely resensitized to my felt experience through my body and had finally begun to contact this vast wisdom that I'd really been kind of pushing down and numbing out to for a very, very long time by just being completely obsessed with my academic path. I was finally tuning in to what was below my neck and it felt really amazing. It was like, yeah, it was a whole new world that opened up. And I understood pretty quickly that My leadership would not be in climbing patriarchal ladders, but in dismantling ladders and collaborating with others doing the same thing to create new foundations of safety and stability in the bodies of women. So other women, we could all be more fully expressed, joyful and creatively fulfilled. So we could move off the path that was taking us further away from ourselves leading us to numb out and strive beyond our capacity and our real desires and suffer miserably because of it. And I guess it was really only about a year ago that it clicked for me that this calling I had to serve women in teaching them how to be their own embodied medicine, particularly as they move through and recognize significant loss in their lives, it seemed to be speaking to a very specific woman a woman who intuitively understands that healing her relationship to grief and pleasure 
are like missing puzzle pieces in the grand picture of creative leadership. It was the coaches, the body workers, the writers, the dancers and healing professionals that resonated the most when I began to share a very different leadership ideology. An ideology centered around a way of being in the world that is more present, honest and fully engaged and rests on the intention of knowing who you are, not so you can just navel gaze or turn away from the needs of humanity and obsess over your own wounds, but in order to forge a responsive relationship to both your internal and the external world. And our children and our planet more than ever demand that we dig deep at this time in history. I feel like we haven't even scraped the surface in our capacity to be more creative, more innovative, and more brave in supporting each other and our environment in ways that we could be if we were more willing to invest in knowing our deeper selves and by consequence come to terms with the sorrow and the untapped desires that live in the belly of our beings over this relentless drive to invest in anything and everything other than that. And here's what I want you to know. If you're a woman listening and you're sensitive and empathic, you're a change-making visionary and there's this nudge within you to really step up and lead in some way. And maybe you don't recognize it as a call to traditional leadership as such, but perhaps there's a project or offering or path of learning that you're compelled to explore, but it feels risky or frivolous, according to others or the culture, then I believe this is a call to creative feminine leadership. This is a call to trusting your curiosity over your sensibilities. This is a call to aliveness, which is so often dismissed or, you know, just pushed away because it's it's scary. <laughs> Let's put it there. It can be really scary. And you need to know, though, that you have this reservoir within you possibly completely untapped of creative life force energy that is bubbling away under the surface like lava under stone. And it's this energy that is the fuel of responsiveness to life. It's not your intellect. It's not your multitasking ability. It's not your management skills. It's your sensuality. It's the flow of your natural cycles. It's your turn on. It's your heartbreak. It's unwavering self-trust. It's your ancestral wisdom. This is what constitutes this life force lava bubbling away within. And you know what? It's there. Whether you choose to acknowledge it, access it, devote to it, invest in it, refine it, it's there. You can reject, ignore and stifle it. It'll still be there. But my love, what a goddamn waste, right? But please don't let that defeat you. Let that ignite your curiosity. Perhaps the curiosity that was scolded and shushed just like me when you were little. Let yourself own it again and redirect inwards so you can drink from this reservoir of aliveness and have it up-level your leadership and expression and joy exponentially. Okay, so I mentioned earlier that I plan to offer you some alternative gateways in which to know yourself and the language of your longings. 
as opposed to the cultural script that wants us busy and numb. Now, inside Luminous, my nine-month-long creative leadership journey that begins on February 27th, these nine gateways actually form the scaffolding for our explorations and expansions together. As the Luminous experience is anchored in developing your somatic intelligence in relationship to your creative expression, we're interested in what unique magic lies underneath the protective armour that you wear to keep yourself functioning as per society's wishes. This might be mysterious even to you because most of the time we think we know who we are based on the personality type we've been ascribed or based on our life experiences thus far. But you know what? You are way more than that. So these gateways I've labelled the nine enigmatic bodies, the mysterious aspects of you that are yet to be tapped into outside of what you've just become used to. But as we travel through luminesce, as you relearn safety and stability in your body and descend into trust, these enigmatic, mysterious parts of you actually rise up to meet you and be known. And when you become familiar with how they feel in your body, you can tend to them with devotion. And it's through this new relationship to yourself that your creativity and leadership just takes on a life of its own. You don't have to force a thing. And you definitely don't have to be a slave to it, right? You don't owe it anything. It won't burn you out because you become fluent in your creative flow. And this is magnetic to others. So as I share these nine gateways with you, I want you to notice if anything arises. Notice any sensations, words, images, or feelings that bubble up. And just acknowledge them. You don't have to make any sense of them. This is just your body having a say about what these mysterious portals evoke in your system. Maybe there'll be a yearning, a sadness, or a repulsion. It's all welcome, and it's all very important information. So here they are. Number one is the devoted body. So this enigmatic body asks us to disentangle from our preconceived and preconditioned ideas around what it means to be in devotion outside of organized religion or oppressive spiritual doctrine, especially related to women's bodies. This leadership gateway is an invitation to find home in your body once again by way of a more loving and holy commitment to the precious nature of your grief and your pleasure. Number two is the desire body. Now, there's nothing more enigmatic for many women than the concept of desire. I mean, I had no idea what I desired until I came back into relationship with it through my body. So this gateway is about following the breadcrumbs of your desires as they emerge from the depths. And we slowly learn to walk the erotic edge between loss and longing. And it's this body that shows you where your most potent expression lives. Number three, the receptive body. Now, my love, if you've been closed off for a long time, 
or your body is so used to the go, go, go in your everyday, then receptivity might feel like a giant mystery to you. Learning ways to open and lean back and inhabit the grief that's been begging for your attention while being resourced by luscious avenues of creative and sensual exploration is what the receptive body is all about. This is huge, huge change for a body who is so push and leaning in, 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 forward, forward, forward. This is really about bringing some balance and some receptivity. Number four, the visionary body. Now this one gets really fun. For women leaders, this is a huge step in clarifying your vision for collective change through playing in the realms of embodied imagination, which is something we've totally neglected in our society. You know, concrete evidence is everything. Data is power, which of course is valuable and important. But your visions can become a powerful transmission of possibility that otherwise would just lay dormant. So this is about really fully wholeheartedly embracing the daydreams, the visions, and having them land in your body in a very new felt way. Number five, the power body. Speaking of power, this is the enigmatic aspect of you that may need to be completely unlearned and relearned, which is perfect because that's the case with pretty much all of us. (laughs) We are about lovingly liberating the parts of you that have been tamed and suppressed, making space for the language of your whole body to return without shame. We welcome all of you, the mess, the bitch, the slut, the witch, all the rest. We welcome you back home. Number six, the expressive body. This is where we begin to deepen and really become explorative. You're invited to play with movement, voice, writing, and any other form of creative expression that ignites your soul and allows your inner creative creatrix to be seen, heard, and felt in full glory. This is where the mystery of you can really emerge in very beautiful, organic ways. Number seven, we have the erotic body. So beauties, we really move through a very natural process of exploring these layers before we come to those enigmatic parts of ourselves that are especially taboo in our culture. But I guarantee once you've begun to resensitize to your inner and outer landscape, eros will be sparked. This body is all about opening to new channels of erotic energy and embodied pleasure to fuel your unfolding vision, amplify your magnetic resonance, and expand your capacity to lead with courage. Number eight is the vital body. And you know, there's no excitement quite like the visceral experience of coming alive in your body after being numbed and silenced for so long. It's this phase where we work to integrate both the ancient and the present day wisdom of your grief, 
with the newfound expansion and agency of your pleasure body. This is where your unique leadership emerges without even trying. And there's a refined intuitive understanding at this point of how you and your creative leadership can be sourced by aliveness and vitality. Number nine is the infinite body. And finally, although this model of feminine leadership assumes that you never arrive anywhere, that this life and your evolving consciousness continues to unfold and be recreated, it's so beautiful to drop into your body and your vision and your devotion through the mystery of all that's interconnected and cosmic. We want to celebrate and honour the vast intelligence of your enigmatic body as it has supported you in this grand reshaping of self. It's a really wonderful full circle in beginning with a pledge of self-devotion and ending this leadership expansion with devotion to all that is far greater than us individually. So they are the nine enigmatic bodies, the gateways that we'll be entering and immersing ourselves in for the nine-month luminous layer of becoming creative feminine leadership experience this year. It's such a glorious awakening for women to take this journey together. And I believe wholeheartedly that once more and more women meet with the depth and mystery of the feminine within them, the innate trust in their leadership and a preparedness to serve others from this powerful, shame-free, integrated space naturally develops and ripens. And you can't do this from just reading theory or just taking a one-off class, you know. It has to be immersive and devotional. And Luminous certainly is this. And when we know ourselves in ways that allow us to be responsive to the world around us, lovingly and powerfully, then working hard and gaining expertise takes on new meaning. And it also holds less weight because we're in a time of huge rearrangement in a patriarchal society that simply isn't cutting the mustard. And both women and men know this. So let this be your invitation to take this creative feminine leadership path to descend into the layer of becoming this year. If you're ready to plunge, I am so ready to hold you in this space. And all you have to do is go straight to kateleeper.com slash luminous and schedule a chat with me. And we start on February the 27th. We have our beautiful opening ceremony. So if you want to score some early bird savings, then now is the time. So jump on, book a chat ASAP. You will see the link in the show notes or head to kateleeper.com slash luminous. And yeah, let's have a cuppa. Let's kick back and, and find out what it is that you want from this year and how the layer of, of becoming can really just support you in that maturation. Darlings, this has been fun. I get so excited when I get to speak about Luminous. So thank you for being here with me. And I'm really pumped because I now have some beautiful women lined up as guests on the Sancho Alchemy School podcast this season. I cannot wait to share them with you. Oh, my goodness. So keep an eye out because, yeah, things are going to be getting even richer and juicier around here. 
And in the meantime, here's to your next brave move in untangling from the leadership culture of burnout and doing your whole being a favor and forging a different path of success that feels wildly more true for you. Loving you madly. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me today on the Sensual Alchemy School podcast. If you found this episode supportive or something landed for you here, please share it with your friends, family, and anyone who you feel might benefit. If you're loving this podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts to ensure that we can keep bringing you the conversations you need. And if you want to connect, please find me at kateleeper.com or over on Instagram at kate.leeper. I'd love to hear from you.